screwed it all up. You screwed up my mother. You screwed me. You got me so mad. Drove me crazy. I want my cake, Padilla! <laughs> scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of the Fear of God podcast. We are Hopefully your favorite podcast. I know we're our favorite podcast. I don't know if all my grammar works there, but it it works in my head. Um, here at The Fear of God, we find the holy and the horrific at the intersection of faith and fear. We dissect what scares us in order to find what saves us. Welcome, friends. We are glad you're here. Talking to you right now is one of your co-hosts, Nathan Rouse. Now, typically with me is... Fellow co-host, just amazing guy, Avenger, fellow Avenger, Reed Lackey. Um, he did say something, he was here a second ago, but he said something about wanting his cake. Um, so, you know, I mean, I love cake. So I'm really hoping that he brings enough to share. I mean, the way he said it, though, frankly, was a little ominous. Um, but, I, I mean, if he is going to retrieve some cake for himself, I hope that he does, in fact, bring some for the rest of us while he is, you know, tending to said confection. Um, I did want to encourage you, um, if you've never done it before, we work hard to bring you these episodes on a pretty much weekly basis at this point, um, with the occasional month off, only one month in two and a half years, okay, you know, and even during that month. We worked really hard and gave you really amazing new art from Jacob Hunt. Look, I'm just making this all a big circle plug here. And what I would love is if you're new to the show, if you're old to the show, uh, if you're somewhere in the middle and have not gone and written a review or posted a rating on iTunes, it would really mean a lot if you did that. Because if you follow us on Instagram, you'll notice that we are posting those up as part of our Throwback Thursday Instagram posts as well. So not only will you do us a glorious favor by posting your glowing thoughts or even your, you know, not so glowing thoughts. Maybe those will get 
broadcast as well. But not only will you do us that favor, we'll then like elevate you a little and boost you a little and say like, look at this nice person leaving this wonderful. Reed, Reed, you are like covered in icing. What in the (laughs) world? Wow. I have I no, mean, I have no comeback for that. I have no, I have no, yeah. I have nothing that I can say to, uh, to pivot out of that. You just be thankful. You be grateful that I didn't open the episode because had I opened the episode, Nathan Rouse, you, sir, would have had a bug problem. I guarantee you, you would have had a bug oh, problem. I've got a bug problem. <laughs> it's this movie. I'm it's sure we'll get problem. there. Oh, uh, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Sorry, you you asked me that right in mid-yawn. So, um, no, hey, buddy. <laughs> I'm I'm fully present. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm how, how are so you doing? Alert. Did you did so? Did you enjoy your cake? I mean, did you bring? Yep. You bring enough? No, nope. everybody. Nope. No. No. Nope. No. Oh. Well, See the thing right. is, and the thing is, I'm even worse because I'm not that big of a dessert lover. Like I'm not a big sweets eater, as it were. Like I'm a big soda drinker, but I'm not a big sweets eater. Uh, my preferred dessert, uh, in air quotes, is like chips and salsa. That's that's my favorite. So, but like if you were to go to a restaurant, mm-hmm. like to, today, tonight, whatever, mm-hmm. a restaurant of your choosing, and it's like you know you're not worrying about pinching pennies or whatever, and like were to order a dessert after dinner. What might you get? Or would you just totally abstain? If I didn't totally abstain, I would order some version of ice cream or some version of like, you know, like a sherbet yogurt thing. No, I don't. A sherbet yogurt thing? Yeah, something. Do they even make a sherbet No, yogurt? they don't. But like sherbet or yogurt thing. Um, but uh, but yeah. Like no. a parfait? No, I don't like parfait. I don't like. I don't I mean, like parfait is yogurt. I don't like quiches i don't like well yeah but parfait has got stuff a in quiche <laughs> a quiche is not anything dessert or dairy it shows you, at all. It's, <laughs> it shows you how little i know about desserts i actually do not know well uh, a quiche is not a dessert it's not in the dessert family okay it's not i don't know what no. it is i don't know what I mean, that a, qui- <laughs> <laughs> a quiche it's like an it's like a pastry I'm, right it's like a, like a no uh, no, I would not categorize quiche as a pastry. It's like an egg-based pie. It's like it's like a. You just like, said pie like and instance, told me it's not in the dessert. Well, no, no. <laughs> it uses like a pie crust and a pie tin, but it's not like a pie. Like you <laughs> serve it in some sort of dessert fashion. I mean, we, my <laughs> wife makes quiche, and it's like got spinach, and you know, like Ugh, that does not sound like little, dessert. It's no, it's not a dessert. You're the one who said it is a dessert. Yeah, I'm just clarifying. But I'm for just the record, going on the basis know, like, of like so, you said, but like you oh. want your yogurt, and I said parfait, and you're like, no. And I'm like, but that is par- yogurt is parfait. Okay, but it was just. I mean, I've been to Yogurt Land a few times. I've never had a parfait. What is there a place called Yogurt Land? <laughs> there is a place called Yogurt Land. <laughs> that is that is the thing. Yeah. I love that this asinine trip <laughs> down just dessert way yielded that there's an actual place called Yogurtland. I thought you were just BSing. No, no, no. There is no, there is a place. There's a chain called Yogurtland, but no. Yeah, but okay. But you're talking about frozen yogurt. But yeah, yeah. Okay. When you said yogurt initially, I'm like, oh, like Greek yogurt. Like oh, yogurt. that would be part you know. of it. No, that makes sense. No, my, right. my concept for yogurt is like, yeah, frozen yogurt. Um, And no, like, 
Yeah, I, listeners, I did not know what a quiche was before here, but yeah, it's really like, <laughs> self-conscious. Well, it's true, but I'm, si- <laughs> but I'm sitting here, you're like, oh, no, it's not a dessert, but like, no, it's like a pie with like a pie no, tin, and I'm no. like, oh, good try, good try. But seriously, I'm like, no, like, but you you pivoted from yogurt to quiche. Those are not related things. <laughs> It's, true. it's like it's like um hey how was your salad oh it wasn't so good the pizza was great though it's like well how did we get from those two that thing to that thing? oh my gosh you know. can you imagine a pizza salad good lord that would be great we gotta well, get I mean, to, we gotta get to this episode <laughs> I, I was just trying to figure out what you liked in the dessert family that's but true well clearly you're like not, not quiche <laughs> like well right i mean <laughs> what's, what's your favorite fruit what's your what's your favorite soda reed well not coffee like, yeah i know right nope. okay it's like what kind of fruit do you what kind of fruit and vegetables do you eat no i like chocolate noodles i don't know clearly clearly <laughs> food food knowledge is not you you are see i can say this because you are so brilliant in so many facets and columns of life but not food. it's 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 occasionally kind of refreshing to stumble into a field of conversation where you're like oh shit, i don't know anything you know that's like <laughs> man does not know a, a thing little, about food that's a little fun actually yeah well, um glad i could help anyway yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah. so so we've, we've what you watching <laughs> What you, what you eating? <laughs> what you listening to? Either what you eating? Hmm. What you got, buddy? Oh man. Um. Well. So I am very excited because it's been like a year. I think a full year. Um. But YouTube. Well. Okay. This is important. You have to pay for the subscription. Like it's not that it'll just give it to you, but YouTube has finally dropped the second season of Strike First, Strike Hard, No Mercy. That is, yes, indeed, Cobra Kai season two has hit YouTube premium. As of this recording, my wife and I are only through the first four episodes, but as of of how of how many? Ten, ten. Um, but we literally literally only watched it like one night. And so as of the airing of this episode, I'm sure we will be well past, you know, the full season and everything. So far, the first four episodes are great. It's it's just, I mean, if you, if you are. Are they, are they 30 minutes? Are they 45 minutes? Are they an hour? They're, they're 30-ish minutes. So like 32, one, one, it was funny because they just, they are as many as they, I guess, need to be for, for that story. Because like, I think the first episode is 35 minutes, but like episode three is only like. 24 minutes so they're all around that half hour mark very right. easily bingeable i do feel like if there is a detriment to the show at all and i don't consider this a detriment um if there's a detriment to the show at all it does depend on your knowledge of at the very least the first karate kid a lot of at least some key moments from the second karate kid um, so if you have not seen those films or if those films don't have the sort of nostalgic affection for you then what about I mean, is, does the next Karate Kid factor in? No, not at all. Not at all. No? No, not, not remotely. Isn't Steven Seagal in that movie? I don't think so. I think it's Pat Well, Marita some Steven and... Seagal knockoff. There's well, like a... Really? Yeah, because no, it's, like it's like the competitor, you know, instructor that's like wooing her towards more violent means of karate. Oh my gosh. See, I'm going to have to look this up because if Steven Seagal's in that movie... But, you know, I got to be honest, I've seen that once... Oh, okay. uh, you know, 30 years ago or whenever it was. So I'm, I'm really, 
<laughs> I might be just pulling, you know, just, 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 I don't know, crane kicking that one out of my butt. I don't oh, know. Okay. Um, All right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so Cobra Kai. So no, next, so no Hillary Swank in Cobra Kai. Nope, nope, not at all. At least not by episode four. Nope, not at all. She isn't. She is a million dollar baby though. Yeah, she is. Don't, don't, don't spoil it. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all right. So Cobra Kai. Yes, Cobra Kai. That is my what my watching. Uh, if uh, listen, if I will say this because I, I think I kind of dropped say the ball it. on it. You did. If you you, it requires knowledge of the Karate Kid films. If you know and like the Karate Kid films at all, Cobra Kai is so so tremendously worth your time. If you are fond of those movies and have not checked it out, go seek it out. Pay your money for the one month or do the one month free trial of YouTube Premium to see all the episodes because it is well. Well worth it. It's fantastic. They're great. They're better than they have any right to be. They're wonderful. Awesome. I can dig that. Mm-hmm. Lucky son. Um, so I did want to revisit like we did last week, if I may interject here. Um, we have posed to listeners what are what are they watching, reading, listening to, and apparently we are adding eating to that category <laughs> too. So, you know, feel free to not quiche. feel free. <laughs> In my house, we do actually eat quiche occasionally, but apparently not in the lucky house. Um, so I did want to throw out real quick. Um, uh, Mr. Matt Murray, uh, uh, alerted us that he just watched The Tennessee Kid, which mm. is a comedy, comedy special. Have you heard of this? Uh, no, no, no. I heard about okay. it from Matt Murray's recommendation. All right. Well, there you go, Matt, from, from, from your viewing pleasure to Facebook to the podcast. Here we are. Um, a comedy special with, I'm gonna. I don't even know how to say this guy's last name. Nate Bergazzi. Mm. Berg, yeah, that was Berg, probably Berg, wrong. Bergazzi. <laughs> Did you say that's probably wrong? That's a very. That was a very Nathan thing to say. Um, <laughs> it's on. It's on Netflix. Uh, Matt said that his wife. Her name is Megan. He didn't include that, but I'm just throwing out shout outs oh, left and right. Okay. Said they were dying from start to finish. Uh, it is hilarious and completely clean. Oh. Um, it's also apolitical, which is extremely refreshing nowadays, says Matt. Afterwards, you'll definitely want to go back and watch his 30-minute special on Netflix from the series The Stand-Ups. And just to give one more shout-out here, uh, listener Taylor Hoolan. Hoolan. Taylor, I'm butchering your name, buddy. I'm sorry. Uh, you'll get You're not doing great what? with the names. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have picked this one. <laughs> like, why'd, you, why'd you do this? But Taylor said Tennessee Kid is so good in all caps. Awesome. So yeah, Matt awesome. and Megan and Taylor recommend the Tennessee Kid. Um Reed, I'm gonna introduce my uh what you're watching with a question to you. Oh actually, uh-oh. my friend. Uh oh. Um and that question is, Reed, um, what do you say to the god of death? <gasps> Not today. Not today. Ladies and gentlemen, mm. yes. Game of Thrones is back. Um, so, uh, as of this recording, three episodes of Game of Thrones season eight are out. By the time this airs, we will probably, we might even be done. Gosh, or or at least to five. Close to. Um, so, Game of Thrones is back. It took about a year plus hiatus. Mm, I think you and I will differ a little bit on this, although that's purely conjecture. Um, there was a moment. I don't know. I like. I'm a little weird in my relationship to Game of Thrones. 
Okay. I I am an I am very much an appreciator of the show. I think uh, from a purely objective standpoint, there is nothing like it on television, in whether in just sort of narrative ambition or scale of of production. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if there was a moment, I think the moment has passed a little bit for me of having a real deep emotional investment in the show. Okay. Um, it is more like, okay, I'm watching this for kind of the cultural water cooler kind of experience. And I mean, there are certainly characters I really still like uh, that are still around the show, but I don't know. I don't know. Like, I like it. I'm going to finish it. Uh, we just are on the heels of the Battle of Winterfell, which is episode three. We don't have to spoil things necessarily for that. So don't worry about that, listener. But um, it is a massive technical feat they pull off in that third episode. It is you know, sort of, again, statistically speaking, quote unquote, the the longest battle ever put to film. So there's a lot of technical wizardry on display. Um, I, I will happily finish it. I will be curious to see exactly how it resolves. Um, I watch it a little bit more as observer than like engager. I don't know that it makes me a little sad to say that, but it is just kind of where I'm at with it these days. Anyway, well, so what's interesting is, so my only sort of comment to that is, so my wife and I did a massive, this was in spring of last year. We did right. like a, a barrel through all seven seasons. Um, we watched it in the span of a little over a month. And uh, it was after season seven had concluded, but well before the ramp up to this coming season. So that whole marathon was, I think we'll always recall, you know, some sort of our big discoveries. We we came into the show Breaking Bad in a very similar fashion, like binging all of the previous seasons right up before the last one. Game of Thrones was the same thing. And I feel like that big, huge marathon was so impactful and such a big deal. This coming season, I will tell you, like, for me, um, okay, so if, if you are I don't even know that we need to give a spoiler warning for this because if you are at all watching if you go at all care about Game of Thrones you're already watching it. <laughs> yeah, so, that's true. So yeah. like, you know, at this point like uh, what I'm going to say by the time you get through it you'll forget it. I will say that like this big battle sequence that we just had, the episode previous to that, the Night of the Seven Kingdoms episode was actually a yeah, bigger yeah. punch to me emotionally for all the character stuff they did, particularly yes. surrounding Brienne and everything. I mean like it's yes. this And that battle, is yeah, I'm sorry. And to pivot, yes. I, I want you to continue your thought. All I would say there in my inter- my rude interjection is simply characters like Brienne are what keep me emotionally attached. Sure. The, the broader sure. story, I'm a little less kind of invested in it is some of those really special characters, but please continue. No, absolutely. Well, and I think uh, just, yeah, I mean, that battle was, I will say that there were some, there were still some incredible things about it, some incredible shots i just like i think my wife and i both gasped several times through the episode of like man what in the world is the show putting us through you know but i i will say that like that particular battle it was a bit underwhelming in the sense that there was so much of it i could not see i couldn't yeah. see what was yeah. going on um yeah. which which effectively rendered the whole hey we're fighting at night thing like that that was yeah. effective but i was like well yeah but i mean what's it's funny i really don't want to camp out on this long but I've been reflecting since that. I don't know if you know this, but like, so, um, I watch it by myself at home. My wife doesn't care about it. I don't, I don't, 
have any buddies I go hang with on it despite invites. Yes, I know Steven, you're the man. Um, <laughs> but time, time and, and just whatever hasn't really permitted. Well, that particular episode, I did get pretty drawn in and there's a lot of really effective elements to it. But w- during the watching of it, I was like, man, I can't, I, you know, every uh, uh, half of every five minutes, I just can't really discern what's happening on screen yeah, yeah. Other, other than cacophony. Well, there's a massive like response to that. Like I, I, it was almost reassuring once I happened to go and, and game of Thrones is one of those type of shows where I do right after it's over, just kind of go browse Twitter and that sort of stuff. See people's responses. There was a massive outcry about that, that to the point that it makes me wonder like, man, y'all really dimmed the sort of rewatchability of this specific episode because of that. Like it's, you know, for an, for what is effectively what an hour fifteen or so episode, where about fifth, you know, forty minutes of it is very watchable, and a lot of it is really indiscernible. That's not a good ratio. No, um, no, no, not at you all. You know, su- such that by the now, I will say this: props to the episode. But again, I was so kind of technically, my my eyes were damaged in the watching of this because <laughs> I, I couldn't figure out what was going on, but. Where the episode ends was a genuine surprise. I mean, I, I, I sure. really did not oh, know. Sure. I really I wasn't even thinking about that. And, and that was a really great uh, narrative pivot that really elevates a particular character. Um, yeah. Oh, no, I totally agree. Those, those few moments when they occur are like that one moment you're talking about, like that big, bat- that big you know, sort of battle finisher at the end. But then also like the... The two, there were more than two, but the two major deaths um, were, you know, like they were emotionally felt and they were appropriate and like, they, you know, they were good. But I was also a little bit like, wow, I was expecting, this is going to sound so bad. I yeah. Like, I was expecting some bigger players to get taken yeah. off the board, you know. and um, Well, for a show that cut its teeth on the Red Wedding, like, yeah, honestly. Well, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we're in just kind of spoiler territory for Game of Thrones, but like Reed said, if. If you care at all about Game of Thrones, you're probably watching it. So, and this is about three weeks after this episode, anyway. I yeah, I I would I would notch that as a disappointment of that episode. It's like yeah, you, oh sure. Not, not only not only from a technical standpoint was it difficult to watch from a narrative standpoint because I don't consider any of the deaths that really happen in that episode as Jorah maybe, but like no majors, no majors right, got taken right. off the board. Yeah. And I actually thought. When the crypt breakout is happening, I thought they should wipe out everyone in there. Mm-hmm, like just mm-hmm. it, again, I, I'm, that sounds like real sadistic. I just mean for a show that in its DNA is doing absolutely what you don't want them to do to their characters. Like that is how you achieve that, right? Um, right. And and leave the rest of them limping towards the finish line. But they, yeah, liter- literally every major character survived. That. Mm-hmm has mm-hmm. has been important so yeah anyway and that certainly doesn't guarantee that they will survive the totality of the show well Maybe sure they, you know yeah but, yeah, yeah but for this because everything was sort of building up to this and and yeah no i've I, I felt in a similar way well brother i just gotta say that's been another episode of what you what you watching hey. what you listening to ba, 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 ba. what you watching what you watching what you what you watching reading listening what you watching what you reading <laughs> i'm just picturing all the little clockwork things as they what go you, what you watching listening to 
Oh my gosh, that's Man, so this great. Is why I don't, this is why I don't do these. No, you did a really great job. Thank I thought it was you. I thought it was really fantastic. You did a really Thank great you, job. Riri, you're you're a you're a generous co-host. <laughs> Reed, we are in 19. Uh, we did, what did we do last week? Goodness gracious, it's oh, so long ago. Silver, um, silver Bullet. Oh yeah, Silver week. Bullet with the Young Adventures of Charles Xavier. Um, <laughs> we are this week dealing with something I had never seen and never thought I would ever get around to seeing. Really? You uh, never thought you would you would ever see it? I just mean like I knew nothing about it sure, other than the sure. name. Yeah. I honestly didn't know until you introduced it for or submitted it for this series that it was a Stephen King connection. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, it it was one of those I was content, um, not because I knew anything about it. It was one of those I was content to just sort of let life just just pass it pass me by. I'm like, sort of, I'll yeah. never get a, I'll never get around to that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are talking about it and I've watched it. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Okay, well, uh, I have, if you'll permit me, just a Hey, few... we are talking about Batman and Superman, right? <sighs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just when you think a thing is like dead buried in the ground, yeah. here comes that old here comes the night. Here comes saying, the Night King. No, like, no, I was thinking, here comes everybody that. Everybody up. Here, here comes that uh, that thing coming out of the grave going, I want my cake, you know, like Batman and Superman. Yeah, like, I, I, want I want my, my cake. Um, <laughs> no, it's and serious. there's Judd Crandall in the corner being like, sometimes doubt is better. That's exactly right. Sometimes it is. So, uh, yeah, just a, I have a few uh, can keep them pretty brief little uh, trivial bits, trivial factoids um, to run down for you. So this was um, this was by no means the first uh, anthology film. I mean, I don't even know how far back the concept of, uh, you know, just a a feature length collection of smaller short stories. Um, the earliest one that I can think of is from is a film from the 40s called Dead of Night, which is fantastic. But there may even have been one earlier than that. But uh, George Romero, he of Night of the Living Dead fame, and of course Stephen King, they had been personal friends for quite a few years and had been looking for a project to collaborate on. And so the idea of, of Creepshow kind of came together and they they got it off the ground. There is also a Creepshow 2 that they both were involved in, and I'm I'm personally really very fond of it. It gets a lot of derision for reasons I can't quite understand because I think it's I think it's easily on par tonally with this original creep show. Um, is it Romero King? Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, and then um, there's a, also a Creep Show three, which I've never seen, and it was from like the both of these Creep Show one and Creep Show two were from early '80s. Creep Show three is from like the 2000s. I've never seen it, and presumably it's terrible. Presumably it's awful. Um, and it obviously has no involvement from either of them. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because many fans consider the film from 1990 called Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, that they consider that to be like the, in air quotes, true Creep Show 3 because it features one of Stephen King's story that was adapted by George Romero in that film. So they're like, okay, well, that one's the real one. Um, the last thing I'll mention about that is just that um, our wonderful, you know, beloved horror streaming service Shudder is currently in production as of this recording for a new TV season version reboot of Creepshow, uh, which right. should, yeah, which uh, should is supposed to premiere later this year. And do you take, I'm sorry ahead. to cut you off. Do you take that to mean that, each episode is its own story, thus 
anthology or each episode has multi multiple stories in it uh if you well i'm not sure if each episode will have multiple stories but if you look it up on imdb it is listed as a nine episode tv season so i would presume each you know kind of like a twilight zone or a you know outer limits kind of thing that it is each episode is just a separate thing um but what's interesting is i know tom savini who worked with george romero on you know day of the dead and legendary makeup effects artist he did all of the effects work and the creature creation for this film for creep show did you i don't know if you would have caught him because i don't know if you know what he looks like but he's the uh he's one of the garbage collectors at the end of the film he makes a small oh, cameo in it. Yeah, I never um, would have known that. But, um, but he is actually directing one of the episodes of the upcoming TV show version of it. So um, uh, they're they're getting some, and there's a, a Stephen King story that is being adapted for that TV show version that's never been put to film in any in any way. So they so they've got some, yeah, they've got some some big pedigree. So yeah, just a couple more things. I'll try to be quick about these so we can get into actual content of the film. Um, this was also simultaneously released as a graphic novel that was, uh, we mentioned last week with Silver Bullet. This was purely coincidental. It was not a plan on my part. We mentioned that Silver Bullet was originally a collaboration for a like a novelty calendar that was supposed to be written by Stephen King and illustrated by Bernie Wrightson. Bernie Wrightson illustrated the comic book adaptation of Creepshow. Um, and All right, so, so pause for a second. I, yeah. I should have done my research here, and I'm a negligent host, and I'm sorry. But now, so I know, I mean, even the movie references sort of the EC Comics, um, yes. you know, sort of branding. You meant, you just mentioned a graphic novel version. Is it is it an adaptation of this film? Does Creep Show? is there a Creep Show EC Comics that this, is the insp- that this was inspired by? You know, like, in other words, is Creepshow the movie that we're covering its own thing? Or was there a Creepshow comic that spawned this, that inspired them to make this movie and then beget a graphic novel coinciding, you know? So as I, for my limited understanding of it, I think it is the second that it is, it is unquestionably inspired by the legendary EC comics. I do not recall right. if there was a brand within the EC gotcha. comics world that was creep show. I think creep show right. was just the, the, you know, title that they've given to this iteration sure. of that. But then this version, uh, did spawn the graphic novel, which King, uh, wrote the text for and Bernie Wrightson illustrates. And it's actually kind of interesting. Uh, I think it's, I think it's out of active print, so you can find it, but you'd, you'd probably have to pay a little bit more for it to get it. It, it is, um, it's got some interesting things in it, though. Like, for instance, one of the things, because this film, before we get too far into it, consists of five complete stories with a sixth sort of framing story that bookends those other five. In the Father's Day story, it it gives the reason why, other than him just being a raving jerk, um, it gives the reason why Aunt Bedelia kills the father um, is that in the graphic novel, it's that he actually perpetrated and hired someone to make it look like an accident and kill her fiance. And uh, so there's like this little bit of uh, like twisted revenge thing. I thought that was in the movie. Is that an element of the film? Is it yeah, in the movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. see, yeah. I didn't see. I didn't even catch that. Do you watch our around. material? <laughs> That's really funny. So what I did was, and maybe it, <laughs> maybe it didn't uh, suit me well this time around. I 
read the book, but as I watched the material, I would read the story and then watch that section of it, then went back to read the story and then watch that it's section. Like you, so I it's guess like I just you make it. this harder for yourself sometimes than it has to be. Or more fun. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, then yes. Okay, You're like, so, yeah. uh, Netflix Marvel series. I'm going <laughs> to parse these out in the most tedious way possible. Wow. Anyway, I'm, um, I'm no, just playing. No, of course. It's fine. It's fine. Um, a couple more brief ones here. Just, uh, of course, I don't know how if you caught how many Fog alumni. Not Fog, Fear of God, but Fog, the old John Carpenter film, because we got Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau, Hal Holbrook. Yep. Who's the third? John Carpenter. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jamie no, Lee Curtis? No, the third one. Did you? Jamie Lee Curtis is not in Creepshow. I know. I just don't know who you're going to tell me. Okay, so, so the I'm third one naming is people in the fog. The dad in the very beginning, who is uh, the uh, the sort of obnoxious, like you know, be mean to his kid over comic books, is Tom right. Adkins, and he's the guy that Jamie Lee Curtis that picks up Jamie Lee Curtis, and like, he did oh, not age well. <laughs> <laughs> I know because it's only like ain't four nobody years gonna be like you pick me up I sleep with you like no one's happening no, that's not happening to this guy wow being so mean to poor Tom <laughs> or he was a jerk uh, he was a Come real on. jerk in this movie he, he was. was a jerk um I've, I, I've, I've watching this movie I was like this is why Reed loves this movie is <laughs> th- this is little Riri this is little Riri not that your dad was mean I don't mean that but I just no, mean no, like of course Little little Riri with his with his horror stories. Watching my horror stories that nobody wanted to nobody wanted to let yeah. me. Yeah. Do you did you catch who that kid is? Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, uh, it's Stephen King's son. That's Joe Hill. Oh, that is that's Joe okay. Hill right there. Yeah, and it's really funny because I guess on set, um, like there was a couple of times where he he worked you know significantly less than some of the other actors on the piece because he only had a couple of scenes. But um, he's got those bruise marks from where his dad like hit him. And then I guess right after filming one day, Stephen King took him to a drive-thru and the drive-thru attendant at McDonald's like called the police on him <laughs> because wow. he's sitting in there with bruise makeup on his face and everything. It was all, you know, all cleared up. But, uh, but yeah, I thought that was a fun story. My last, I've just got three brief bits of trivia. Obviously, I know, uh, no, there's a lot in this film. Obviously, Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson from the Something to Tide You Over are most known for their comedy work, but here they're playing, you know, very serious roles. But on set, Leslie Nielsen had a fart machine <laughs> that he would notoriously set I off. I love that man. <laughs> I know, I know, rest his soul. Uh, he would notoriously like set off the fart machine like seconds before Romero would call actions <laughs> so that they would struggle through the scene. And I just thought that was really, really funny. Um, so they had a uh, an alternate story, because we'll get to it, but the final of these films, obviously it has a complication to its plot line that might have proved very difficult to film. And so they had prepared, they were like, okay, in case we don't have the budget and can't make it work to film the sequence called They're Creeping Up on You, uh, we will, we had, they had a separate story called The Hitchhiker that was sort of ready to go. Um, they did wind up doing They're Creeping Up on You, starring legendary actor E.G. Marshall. And so The Hitchhiker made it into Creep Show 2. But those cockroaches cost 50 cents a piece. And Nathan, they used 250,000 of them. They were the single most expensive element of the entire film, of the entire production. That's the biggest waste of money anybody <laughs> ever spent. Oh, my God. 
It's so awful. Um, so uh, I don't know how you want to. I don't know how to want to make your way through this. I don't know. I mean, no, just, are you gonna are you gonna let me talk? Oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> they're creeping up on you, indeed. Oh my gosh, you just I'm you, creeping up on you. you ah. just threw a bunch of bugs at me. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth, or two hundred fifty thousand of them. <laughs> so, like, you know, I can't do math. One hundred twenty-five thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love how you walked right into that. Two hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> oh well, half of that is. I <laughs> <laughs> was multiplying, multi. Oh my gosh! Somebody stop me! No wonder you kept talking. I can't talk. <laughs> Somebody take this microphone away. Somebody um, stop me. Do you want to know what I think about this movie, Reed? Oh, wow. Yes, I would love to. No, I would love to know what. I'd love to know what. Um, you know what? There's a lot of trivia. Initi- I thought it was fun. Initially, initially, I was like, I don't know. This is kind of dumb. Really? Um, but then I was like, you know, this ain't so dumb. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, sh-. Oh, yes. <laughs> Articulate. That was the progression of my experience in this movie. This is so dumb. This ain't so dumb. I just, like, oh, that's God. it. Um, yes. No, like um, you're getting. Uh, sorry, it's your turn please. to talk. But getting, no, no, no. I don't get, want to know getting your note from me when you watched. Oh, I'm gonna read creepy. that. Oh when, my. when we get there. Okay. Um, okay. What? Tell me. Tell me. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. It was just delight. It was just delightful. I'm, I'm I'm sure it was to you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> it's horrific to me. Um, but no, I uh, I don't know that this is a movie I would like watch again. It doesn't have the same like it. It didn't invoke in me a similar sort of warmth that say Silver Bullet did. Yeah. Um, but by late in it, I was kind of won over by the general like conceit. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's funny. So I'll track with you sort of my feelings like that opening one. I don't remember the name of the shorts, but so the very first no, one, like yeah. uh, Father's Day at Ed Harris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one's so kind of jarring. And, and, and for someone like me who had never seen the film, I'm kind of trying to get on the wavelength of the whole piece, you know? Yeah, it's like, sure. Yeah. Okay. We've got this opening framework and then this, and then honestly, like as kind of, folksy cutesy weirdo as the king one is i was like is this like super insensitive now like 30 <laughs> years on you know like this is not probably a real like PC not a very, per- yeah, portrayal not a very you know yeah and and so i was just having really weird feelings during that one i was like oh uncle stevie you, you need to back off a little bit <laughs> you, need to, you need to tone it you need to tone it down oh my gosh and that spells vegetation on your junk <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. I have no recovery plan for that. I have no I have no way to pivot out of that. I love I love when it just like it just happens. It's just, there it is. You know? I don't have wow. that written down. You can't oh. you, you can't fabricate that kind of comment. They're they're um, creeping up on you. Oh God! <laughs> then you go and do that. So no. Um, by the end of it, I was a bit more warm to it. Um, I like the general vibe to it. I like the <clears throat> sort of comic booky panel for f- yeah. different frames, yeah. and 
and I, I really enjoy what is probably the rights and inspired animations between. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So no, I, I enjoyed it. What um, I don't know, I don't know how you want to progress because this this is going to be a little different for me than like sure, just like sure. spheres. Yeah. No, I understand. Well, I figure what we can maybe do is just. Uh, you know, like just make our way with a very brief synopsis of the of each of the pieces, and then just if you have a particular comment on it, then you can make it at that point. So the it obviously opens with a framework of this, you know, sort of overbearing dad who is not happy about the fact that his son reads horror comic books and is very mean and even smacks his son at one time. He's very overbearing. We'll get to, uh, I guess I should end the framework by saying like at the end, because we only pivot to that story at the very beginning and the very end. And at the end, the comic book that the dad threw out, some garbage men are sort of leafing through it. And they, they're looking at the different ads, and one of the ads was for a voodoo doll, and it says, like, oh, somebody already sent off for that one, and that's when it's revealed that the son is sitting up there, like, with a voodoo doll about to make his, his dad's day you very know, painful. I did I did um, think of you as that little kid in this horror stories, but <laughs> I, I, too, did I never not did that, have... I too, what? You enjoyed <laughs> horror stories. No, I no, no. Like, I oh, never no, ordered saying, a voodoo doll. Right, right, right. <laughs> Well, it didn't work. I mean, you tried. Let's be honest. I'm just kidding. Um, but um, uh, I too did not have an abusive, overbearing parent. But um, I did read comics as a young lad, and I, I mean, my one of my parents um, would be like, ask me if I was going to wear comic books to school because that's all yeah. I spent my money on, <laughs> and. You know what? I called them last week and I said, $1.2 billion. I'll wear comic books all day long now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's going somewhere. That's so funny. That's awesome. Uh, comics are cool now. Comics are um, cool. Anyway, so yeah, good framing device. You want to talk about Father's Day? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ed Harris is a young, dancing, strapping lad. <laughs> Boy, that dance is weird. Um, it is. It's a little. It's a little. Odd. It's a little strange. But so Father's Day, basically, just there's this presumably this um, this guy uh, is a like his. He thinks his children are just money grubbing, greedy little vultures, and uh, then he's he's a very obnoxious, very cruel man and then one day old aunt bedelia has just had enough again related to him sort of taking out her fiance and she bludgeons him with an ashtray on father's day and then he kept pounding his cane saying i want my cake i want my cake well several years later she is visiting the grave of you know said deceased patriarch and then he just he just comes traipsing out of the grave just it's just like, I mean, when cake is on the menu, he wants that cake. So my only comment about it this wouldn't one, have it wouldn't have worked as much if he was like, "I want my quiche." Like no, it just would not have. No, it wouldn't. It have. doesn't have the same kind of range to it because ain't nobody ever come back from the dead for a quiche. <laughs> <laughs> ain't no quiche. Only on the fear of God can a joke like that make sense. Oh my gosh! Mm, oh. I come, I come back for some cake. But nah, oh, I'm good. Quiche? I don't need no I'm quiche. Good. I'll stay here. I mean, um, it tasted it tasted good when I was alive, but I'm not gonna come back <laughs> for it. 
<laughs> well, my only comment about this one is, and so I don't know, just so you, Nathan, are aware of sort of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking as we make our way through each of the pieces, like just blend all your likes, dislikes, and scares. So if you have any comment about the piece we're talking about, like just throw it in at that point. My only comment about this one is, why in the world did both the victims, both Ed Harris and Aunt Bedelia, like why in the world did they just sit there while their father's corpse was like doing the stuff. Like like when Aunt Bedelia sees him rising out of the grave, like my first thought is like if that were happening to me, oh, I would have yeah, yeah, jumped yeah. up and run away. But she's just like screaming, sitting there staring at it. Like what in the world? Well, like, and then you got Ed Harris who just falls and lays just, there while a it just sits there very, and watches very slowly falling <laughs> gravestone. Like like, like you know, silver bullet could have gotten out of there. <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting there like he just sits there and watches it he's like yeah, oh he re- weird, like it, no it that was a really awful. odd production choice yeah i don't know why he just like because i figured like if it just one little pivot and then he can look up at it to be like did i just see that move or whatever and then it just tumble over but no like it pivots and then like he waits an hour and then it like moves a little bit more, and then like he so, waits yeah. an hour. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, mean, like, he just uh, I think I'm good there. right here in this open grave for a like, bit. Uh, I'm just I don't gonna know. chill. So yes. yeah, that was an odd, that was an odd choice. I mean, uh, I will say I thought the uh, makeup effects for Cake Cake. Oh guy. yeah, oh yeah. yeah Mr. Cake was really good, actually. Oh yeah, no, it's it's great, great. There is actually some pretty impressive. Well, again, it's Tom Savini, man. Tom Savini was was uh, he was really a very effective makeup designer in general, particularly when he's doing sort of gruesome human effects. Um, so yeah, no, it was very, very good. But then we pivot and oh, go ahead. As a, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. As a um, possible, I don't know chronologically where this falls in relation to it. But there's a possible Dark Tower reference in um, Father's Day. Oh, what was that? When Cass says of Bedelia that you can set your watch by her. Just made me think of oh. you can set, set your watch and warrant by it. Yeah, that's funny. I did not even think about comment. that. And you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you got it, you got it. <laughs> I actually would need to look up the continuity because I don't even know if he had published The Gunslinger at this point. Because this is early 80s. I don't even know if he'd publish The Gunslinger. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, bro. I don't know, bro. But that's that's only one of five right. stories. We gotta get going. <laughs> so the second one uh, features Stephen <laughs> King himself as the... I, I don't know about you. The Lonesome Death, the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. I thought it was very fun watching Stephen King be so bonkers. And no, he, he's, he's actually pretty pretty... Yeah, he's pretty convincing in it. He's a lot of fun. That is the briefest of the stories and arguably the most simple and direct. But uh but yeah, I mean I feel like it's 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 pretty it's pretty creepy. It's pretty nasty, but it's pretty creepy. Well, at first I was like is he turning into swamp thing? Is he turning into Jim Carrey mm-hmm. Grinch? And then he just <laughs> He turned into Jim Carrey Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty soon, man. After that meteor, man, he's going after the Who's. Growing junk on his junk, and he's like, "Oh no, not there!" Oh my gosh, it's a yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty awful. But yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. There's not much to say about that. I mean, it's pretty much just like there really isn't. Meteor falls in some hick's backyard. He touches the meteor, and then immediately vegetation just starts growing everywhere that the meteor touches, and that's that's pretty much it. But you know. Because any time that it gets wet or water on it, then it just flourishes and thrives. But speaking moisture. of water, yeah, moisture. 
Uh, but speaking of water, that brings us to now. I don't. I mean, it's hard to kind of rank these. They're all just sort of a jumble, a, a fun little menagerie. But uh, something to tide you over. The middle piece of this is my favorite one of these. Oh, I thought somehow I missed the title. I thought it was called Sam Malone and Frank Drebin Go to the Beach. <laughs> <laughs> basically um again i'm i'm a big fan of ted danson uh you know i've uh i've come to very very much he was love. a handsome fella he was a handsome fella yeah i've lo- i've loved uh cheers uh came to it rather late in my life but uh but have watched every episode and and very very fond of cheers uh very fond of leslie nielsen from the naked gun films and that you know all of his comedic satire roles but as i mentioned earlier they're playing st- specifically very straightforward and dramatic roles. Um, and it's kind of fun to see them play against type. I really, I really enjoyed that quite a bit. Plus I just like, I like the concept of this story. Some possessive, very wealthy, you know, man who feels like he's been wronged by his wife having an affair with this guy. And so seeks revenge on them in the worst, one of the most gruesome, worst ways possible. Um, he seeks revenge on them by basically burying them up to the neck in sand at the beach, and just uh, waits for the tide to come in. Uh, and that's that's pretty that's pretty gruesome. But well, uh, I mean, he gets some comeuppance. He gets some comeuppance because after that, and that's and that's what I think I like about that particular story is that part of it is horrendous enough, but then. It ends, and that you know those deaths are just disturbing to think about on their own. But of course, it ends bit with uh, them returning from their waterlogged demise to uh, basically perpetrate the same thing on him. And his maniacal laugh at the end, I just love. Uh, again, I just love Nielsen, but his maniacal laugh of like, "I can hold my breath for a long time," and he's like, you know, madly cackling as the tide starts to come in. It's it's great. I I love that one. That's my favorite one. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I, that's a good. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you there. Yeah, I like I like it quite a bit. And then we don't we don't we don't, we don't have want, to keep going. We don't have to keep going. Oh no, we do we do because there's there's, <laughs> there's there's two more. So then uh so so then the the next to last one is also the longest one. It's just called the crate. And um, basically, I fell asleep during this one. Did you? Like <laughs> like for real? <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Because I had to go back. And it is it is long. And it's funny too because it is the lengthiest of the piece, but it's still pretty, you know, straightforward. But it sets up a lot of different things. I mean, basically, this this at this university, um, a janitor, a night a night watchman. I forget if he's a custodian or if he's a night watchman, but he stumbles across this crate that says it's from like the late eighteen hundreds. And when he calls in one of the professors to examine it, they open the thing up, and it has got some prehistoric monster in it of some, you know, some sort of like, you know, werewolf slash fang-toothed gorilla-looking thing. Um, and I will say that of all the effects that are in this, that is that is easily like the cheesiest and, and silliest. Uh, but cheesy looking at as that monster is, the moment when... Oh, and I should mention that like simultaneous to all of that, the character of Hal Holbrook, who we mentioned earlier, he's not the character, that's the actor. Uh, he's married to Adrian Barbeau, who is a very, very cruel and very... You know, she she's constantly degrading him and and you know commenting on his him making him feel stupid and putting him down well he's desperate and fantasizes about ways he will basically get rid of her and uh and do away with her so when he finds out about this monster hiding in the crate he sees his sees his opportunity and so uh anyway so that's that's basically the thrust of this whole story but the moment when after 
you know, he's effectively sort of submitted her to the monster and gotten rid of her when he's replacing the lock. That that's really I I don't know. Maybe you were asleep by then, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but that that whole sequence was just nerve wracking for me where he's trying to like replace the lock and uh, and then the monster just like lunges for him doesn't get him but this the yeah it's that was a pretty that was a pretty effective as far as jump scares go that was that was a pretty effective one hey i just happened to look down my notes here and i don't know if you caught this but there's a fun little like cross story pollination did you notice that frank drebin has the same buddha ashtray that's in the ed harris story that ashtray is in every single one i I figured that's probably the case i I specifically saw it there but once i saw it in the um uh, in the beach one, I was like, I bet that's in all of them. Yeah, just didn't. yeah. So it's so yes, good good eye on you because it's in the it's also in uh, Jordy Verrill's kitchen, um, mm. and it is also I forget where it is in the crate. I think it's in the professor's office, like where they do most of their sort of little conversation. I think it's there, and then I forget because it really does. I don't know if it's in the last one because it would look, I mean, it is, it is there somewhere because I know it's intentionally in all of them, but I can't remember where it would be um, because his apartment is so specific. Yeah. Um, But it might just be like on the kitchen counter or something like that. But, uh, but why why don't you, why don't you tell us about that, uh, that, that final piece in creep show? Why don't you, why don't you tell us about that one, Nathan? Cause I, cause let me set you, let me set you up for it. Cause (laughs) I knew you were watching this movie. I knew see, you were this, watching see, this, I, I mentioned falling asleep. This should illustrate your story here. That's why that happened. Oh, yes, because I knew you were watching this, and you had commented on Father's Day, and then I commented on the One night. Movie. Yes, it was a night. Yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. night. Right. Um, and I, you commented on the, on the Father's Day thing, sent me a text, which clued me in that you were watching it, and I was just waiting. Like I commented on the crate one. And then I never heard from you. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> That's because I fell asleep. And I'm like, he's going to let me have it. And I was like, and I almost texted you like, did you, did you finish it? Did you finish it? But I was like, no, no I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. I'm sure, I'm sure he's talking to So, but because I knew about this final one and I knew about your aversion to this particular uh, phobia. So, uh, so yeah, why don't you, why don't you tell us about this last well, one? Well, but then, okay. But the, the punchline there is... <laughs> I went I went to bed just, you know, totally oblivious to the fact oh that my gosh. best friend like freaking set me up. Uh yes. you yes, know, it, yeah. like lay the bear trap like in uh uh silver bullet and and oh you go to gosh. open the bear trap and then just release it again on my leg. Oh my um gosh. that's a deep cut. We didn't even reference that scene in the movie. But uh, <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, I doze off during the crate. I barely make it to the end of it. And I'm like, oh, I'm tired. There's there's no like 20 minutes left in this movie. I'm going to bed. So I go to bed, not knowing I've left you and waiting. Um, <laughs> and then the next night or the next day, next day, I think I mean, there's only day. a little bit, a little bit left. I texted you the <laughs> screenshot of my notes. Yeah, your notes. Your notes are like a progression of madness, like just continuing to devolve. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so, so great. if you aren't going to watch this movie, uh, I don't blame you for this ending part specifically, but the premise is just this, I don't know, gosh, meant to be this Howard Hughes-esque to the extreme, you know. Yeah. Um, Secluded uh, himself in his penthouse apartment yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But it's this real Spartan place, you know, and very hard edges and, and blank surfaces everywhere. And, you know, he wipes a Kleenex or something and then puts it down this 
pneumatic tube that sucks it out into the wherever. But anyway, mm-hmm. early in it, sees one cockroach, and then, of course, just the nature of this stupid story. Is it called Bugs? <laughs> no, it's called They're Creeping Up on You. Oh, yeah, you've said that a couple times. I, all yeah. I see is Bugs, though. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it, you know, by the end of it, there's a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars worth of stupid brooches. Like, why? Good gosh, that <laughs> like, and ultimately, it doesn't really establish it as an. I mean, they're a they're a mental fabrication, but it doesn't really does it definitively state what happens to him. It just he has an aneurysm or something. I don't. Um, know. no, it doesn't definitively state like like honestly, if you were to take the f- the film as its literal value, like death by bug is like the is is what he has. Right, but but then all of a sudden they're they're nowhere to be found. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I perceived oh. it as more of a, a a a terrible vision he's having throughout it, but I could be wrong. I was I was Oh, I was myself. That's... I was myself having a terrible vision, so I don't no, know. No, no, no. That's Nathan. That's that's you coping with this yeah. story. <laughs> that's your. That's your. Coping. That'd be amazing He's if I started describing this. this really flowery ending to it, and yes, you're like, yes, uh, "What are you talking about? That's that not, not even happen. in the film whatsoever." It's like, no, it's like in the descent. I'll um, remind. I'll remind you of what happens at the end when you're when you're done. With oh it. no, I know. So yeah, <laughs> this this idiot character sees all these roaches compounding and accumulating over the course of these 20 minutes until finally he goes into his room and i might vomit right now uh, uh <laughs> he goes, he goes into his into room. Like a safe room yeah his safe room is you know he's got a safe room and then under his bed's <laughs> sheet there's all this bulbous activity happening he pulls it back and there's bajillion cockroaches and then he falls over and then they burst out of his body and he's He's like Spider-Man in, in um, oh, you know, the my Mist. Gosh. It's repulsive. It's it's abominable. So anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna give us a little story time here and read my notes. And you could you could cue up this next minute as your commentary track on this episode. This <laughs> they're coming to get you or whatever it's called. Uh, it says that nasty ass roach on that man's hand. That ain't right. <laughs> next note. Them roaches in that man's Dharma brand oats. That ain't right. He's got to he's gotta have the lost reference in there. Next, next line. Uh, them roaches. <laughs> I did type that out. That's not me embellishing. It says, uh, them roaches all up in that man's lights and coming through that man's vents. That ain't right. <laughs> Just two more. Just two more. <laughs> the next one. <laughs> The next one says, uh, them cockroaches all over that man's house and all his everything and in his bed. That motherfucking shit ain't right. <laughs> important, important note. It says mother buggin, mother buggin, B-U-G-G. Oh, okay. my gosh. Very last note. Once chest burster starts happening, <laughs> this last note, you've got to envision like a thousand H's. Pretend I spent oh. 125 grand on 50 cents each worth of H's. And it just says. <laughs> Ah! (laughs) (laughs) I and then what you did was you just screenshot your notes those notes I did not get any prep for it I did not it was just like a surprise in the middle of my day all of a sudden you just text me those notes 
Oh man, it was glorious. It was so awesome. And I was, yeah. and I texted you back. I was like, I was waiting to hear like, and I thought you were just saving it all for the episode. Nope. Nope. Oh my gosh, that was so nope. funny. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty nightmarish. It's pretty awful. Yeah, man, old E. G. Marshall. Well, what's and he says in the episode. You know, he's 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 the one who says like they creep up on you, but he's talking about all these people who work for him, right? Right. As like bugs, as you know, just right. like brainless, you know, little little peons. Um. So it's funny because I I really thought this. I mean, if memory serves, unless you unless you count the couple of times that we've covered TV series for you know, hashtag TV guidepost or something, we've we've never covered an actual, like, anthology film where within the course of the feature there are multiple disconnected stories. And so I was really trying to hone down and think, like, okay, well, what, you know, how do we approach theme? Do we hone in on one and kind of talk about that or, or, you know, exactly what do we do? And so for one of the things that I found interesting, it doesn't line up completely lockstep all through it, but uh, but I feel like it's it's pretty there, and it's hard for me to know if this is just the fortunate coincidence of the nature of all of these stories, or if it was something intentional on King's part in developing this. But the th- the themes of greed and payback show up in like every single one of these pieces. Some degree of either greed or payback, or both. In the opening, you know, the framing device, you've right. got, you know, the the whole thing is he's going to, he's ordered the voodoo doll, and he's going to pay his dad back for, you know, taking his comics and throwing it away. Uh, the theme of greed shows up much more prominently in stories like Father's Day, where he's like, all right. you, you know, he's like, all you want is just my money. Um, my quiche. And, <laughs> and then, even in The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill, he he wants to collect this meteor rather than leave it alone because he wants to, oh, I can finally pay off that bank loan, that $200 bank loan. And so, like, that's what he wants. And something to tide you over, it's not, obviously there's an affair at the center of it, but Leslie Nielsen's character specifically says this is about sort of possessiveness for him because he's like, hey, why don't she, right. you know, she just wants out. But he's he's basically like, no, what's mine is mine. And uh, and and so that level of sort of possession, particularly regarding a human being, and then we get back to the. Of course, the theme of payback shows up prominently in both directions in something to tide you over. And then in the crate, it's a huge element of the story between Hal Holbrook and Adrian Barbeau, just of this this whole notion of feeling so degraded for so long, and so he issues a, a a payback, a revenge there. But the themes particularly where they most stood out for me of like this conversation between greed and vengeance, payback, retribution, whatever you want to call it, was in They're Creeping Up on You because we're not giving too many details about what the aggrieved woman who calls him and is like, you killed my husband. And obviously he didn't, like physically murder him, but something has happened because of the miser's dehumanizing of his workers and the cold-hearted way in which he uh, basically treats his people as simply commodities. And so she issues this pained declaration of like, you know, I hope you die. She cites a couple of of ways she would feel good if he did, and and so she's basically, you know, like I, I like I hope you die. And that's when and his viewing 
of the people beneath him or beneath his station just being like, you know, they're they're nothing but bugs. They're nothing but just little worthless creatures to him. And then that being ultimately what lit- literally eats him alive from the inside out is just pretty it's pretty gruesome but it was this as i was thinking about it and obviously it's not a very complex film it doesn't feel like it's really you know trying very hard to say anything profound if anything at all but this idea of retribution and particularly this idea of the pursuits of material gain or the pursuits of some sort of materialism, as it were, material need, culminating in a otherworldly vengeance. I just found that really, I just found that really interesting. Uh, that each of the stories, without stretching too much, like I said, it doesn't line up completely lockstep, but without stretching too much, there is something of retribution and payback and or greed and consequence in each of the. There, there are five core stories. If you count the framing story, it's six. But in each of them, they have, you know, some sort of iteration of that kind of thing. And uh, obviously, horror has the options and possibilities to really dig deep into the extreme versions of payback and, you know, again, the consequences for somebody being too selfish and greedy and, and materialistic. But uh, in a film that is clearly meant to just be sort of a, a fright fest, a little, you know, gruesome, grisly little horror tale, uh, horror tales. Um, I just I just found that interesting. I just found it interesting that they each deal with some sort of payback. It's like they all deal with payback except for the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, unless you count, you know, payback from the meteor. And they all deal with greed except for directly the crate. The crate doesn't really have a lot to do with like monetary greed, but they're all connected by one or the other of those particular things. Well, and I think you're also dialing in on like from a sort of story construction standpoint, very basic human emotion, uh, greed, envy, mm. and mm-hmm. then and then why the the anthology sort of format works is okay. How do you tell? at least a mildly impactful kind of human story in a very short span of time. And it's so it's dialing in real, real specifically on a a, a very specific emotion and playing out a horror kind of conceit around it. And honestly, this is, this is sort of dipping our, or swimming back up to the surface a little bit from thematics. This is why I'd be a little unsure about a full length episode anthology series. Just because I think the fun and value of Creepshow the movie is in these little, you're skimming a rock across the surface and just sort of right, getting, a right. little, getting a little, a little, you know, 10, 15 at most 20 minute ish glimpse into these little human dramas that are tinged right. with a supernatural or otherworldly kind of horrific vibe to them. And I think that's what's really compelling ultimately about this film. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And yeah, I mean, it's like that, that that's part of the advantage that anthology stories have is they don't really, well, and I would think this is kind of true of even just like short stories in general, although we've covered short stories and devoted an entire episode to them. Uh, you know, The Monkey's Paw, The Lottery, The Raven. Uh, I would even throw 
you know, Eminem's stan in there in terms of, you know, this, this kind of Reed, thing. do you know, you know how this phenomenon that happens in life sometimes where you're like, you discover a thing and all of a sudden you see it everywhere? Oh, yeah. I can't, I, like, dozens, dozens to, to multi, many dozens? Multi-dozens? <laughs> Multi-dozens. Um, to say a hundred might be a stretch, but so many places I see the appropriation of the word Stan in relation to obsessing over a thing. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, constantly. Constantly. I see it all over the place, and I never even knew that was a thing until we did that episode. So anyway, random. Sorry. That's so funny. No, no, no. Fear of God, memory lane. (laughs) But but yeah, I mean, I do think that that is the, and we don't have to spend a tremendous amount of time on this. I don't know that the material necessarily warrants it, but that is the, that's the advantage of it. The advantage of it is it, it is, you know, it's a snack. It's a narrative snack, as it were. I do um, like snacks, like cake, like, or, or quiche. quiche. <laughs> you know, but parfait. They, yes, I like a good parfait. So, but um, <laughs> but 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 yeah, I mean, that's the uh, that is what these anthology models sort of afford is the opportunity to hey, we're gonna we're gonna dive into an extreme sort of frightful scenario in in relative brief succession. There's not a lot of opportunity to really mine the depths of a particular thing. I'm sorry to just randomly jump in. No, you're okay. Brain, uh, uh, a Frank Drebin fart machine. But, (laughs) um, you know, really, I think there's more a a story of vengeance present in all of these. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of course, the father and then even the sort of supernatural aspect or or the, the... extreme natural aspect of the meteors vengeance for being disturbed Mm -hmm. um and it reminds me so much and gosh i could not tell you the names of these books but maybe post initial pet cemetery for me or circa that era of my life um i'm i'm gonna reference rl stein but it wasn't all purely him i did read a lot of rl stein but these these little like horror stories for kids type books and collections and stuff that were all about like the, the what happens when you tamper with Mm -hmm. relationships, relationships and, you know, uh, nature that it, it, it wreaks its vengeance upon you in whatever horrific Mm -hmm. fashion. Anyway, it just, it really calls to mind those kind of tales that again, I couldn't tell you names of, but sure. Sure. Locked away in my subconscious. And that's kind of, I mean, horror at its, at some of its most, one of its most fundamental types of stories is the otherworldly vengeance story. Like you, you've, it goes all the way back to Pandora's box. It, it like, I don't know, you know, getting all the way back to stories that are old, older than recorded time itself, but uh, like, you know, one of the earliest is just Pandora's box. She opens it up and suddenly all these evils just sort of unleash. And I th- so I think that's why stories of like dire, dreadful consequence, sometimes even on minute little choices, is fascinating. And it's something that the, the, the horror genre is probably most equipped to really deal with in a way that structures it around understandable paradigms. Um, in mm-hmm. ways that in ways that we can approach the the subject of consequence and vengeance 
uh, again, in manners that would that would basically afford us an opportunity to contextualize them and say, you know, because it we do tend to navigate our world, I think, even if we are vaguely or loosely aware of the potential consequences for the choices that we make, we are certainly ill-prepared or ill-equipped to deal with them, particularly if they are dreadful in any extremity. And so because of that, again, horror stories like this, little smaller tales of gruesome vengeance, give us some sort of ability to rehearse that, as weird as that word may sound. Like it gives us an opportunity to sort of, yeah, step into the middle of some of those extremes. And um, and I don't know, I, I, I find that... I find that immensely fascinating. You know, obviously the scriptures are rife with consequences of vengeance, consequences of taking vengeance for yourself. Scriptures obviously say vengeance is mine, says the Lord, so encouraging us against vengeance and towards reconciliation. But this is almost more of the type of, and this is why I think something to tide you over is my favorite, is because it is this never-ending cycle of revenge. Like, He's taking vengeance on them for how they've wronged him, and then because of the extremity of his vengeance, they come back from the grave to exact vengeance upon him. And again, right. that's you know it's this potentially never-ending cycle, and I just I find that really compelling and really fascinating. And again, it's not meant to be some deep thought-provoking thing, but it but it is also very it's there. It's apparent in the text. I'm not stretching sure. at all. To you know that cycle of vengeance is is obvious and uh, and yeah I mean I don't know how much more there is to particularly say about about that other than the fact that I do think as fun or as silly or as extreme as a movie like Creepshow would be I think you you could understandably walk away with a bit of a a recognition of like, yeah, there's there's monsters on the other side of vengeance. Like whatever it is, sure. whatever mm-hmm. it is that you've been That's wronged good, for, right? whatever it is that you've done or has been done to you, like uh, like venger- vengeance unleashes monsters. And I think that is something that we neglect and forget sometimes in our navigation of the the ways people have transgressed against us and the ways that we're trying to cope with you know, even accidental wrongs or things that have been somewhat less intentional. But yeah, it's uh, I, for myself. Although I've talked a lot, and I would certainly invite it if you have it, though no pressure. Um, I yeah, for me it sort of ends with yeah, vengeance. Vengeance releases monsters. They're creeping up on you. Ugh. I mean, I don't really have any real substantive stuff to say other than just I guess I will not send off now for this voodoo doll after you've said all that it feels a little <laughs> like like maybe i should just tear up this coupon but you know, i don't know i was really excited for a minute <laughs> little little demon coupon oh my gosh um well uh do you do you want to go ahead and pivot then into the into the fog meter for it let's do it let's, let's do go it. to the fog meter why don't for you tell George the, the romero and stephen king's creep show the fog meter is our handy metric we use here on the fear of God. Get it? Fear of God? Fog? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Wherein we utilize a 1 to 10 numeric metric to measure the fear quotient of a film, uh, how scary it is, and the God quotient of a film, how substantive we find its sort of material. Um, 
Uh, in terms of, uh, if you don't mind if I start, in terms of the Go right ahead. Yeah. sort of fear quotient, uh, you know, they're creeping up on you is probably, uh, it's enough. It's enough. Like, I really didn't find much of the any, any of the other stuff that quote unquote scary. Uh, that's pretty wretched and might warrant a six for me from okay. scare, scare All quotient. Right. You know, it's funny because I've really been thinking a lot recently about like how we measure the sort of fear factor and it doesn't necessarily have to be in specifically like what scares us or how quote unquote scary it is. I mean, just in terms of sheer gruesomeness and everything like that, I'm going to surprise you. I'm, I'm actually going to give Creepshow an eight for its wow. fear factor. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's like I'm not necessarily saying that it's going to give you, you know, eight out of ten nightmares. It's just like sure. there's a there's a gruesomeness. There's a, per, a perpetual fright factor in it, uh, perhaps because it's so, you know, nugget-based and compartmentalized. So I'm going to give it an eight for that. Um, for me, on the substance measurement, I mean, again, I've said a couple of times, even in our exploring of the themes, that it, it's not really very hard trying to be terribly substantive. Um, but I do think it has a couple of, of on the nose things to say. And, uh, for that, I'm going to give it a four for its uh, substance measurement. It's God, you know, if you will. I was ready to rank this film pretty low on both measures. Not because it's like garbage. I don't mean that, but just, you know, it didn't like quote unquote scare me and, and that sort of thing. But I do really like the thread you pulled out of, you know, vengeance I'd like to think that I introduced the vengeance thing real articulately and then you, you took did. it to the next level and just like <laughs> revealed its full potency and, and inherent in the medium. Um, I'll take that. Yeah. Well, we're, we work well together. We're a good um, team. Yeah. Um, like Avengers. This is a good team. <laughs> um, I think that I will probably settle on a five because, um, again, I don't know that the movie is really – wanting to ponder this and invite you to think about it although i could be wrong as much as it is presenting these notions um but nonetheless i I really like that that thematic aspect yeah that's understandable um yeah i would agree with you um that i feel like we would be remiss even though pulling some things that i think are genuinely there i think it it must go on record that there's very little intention behind a film like creep show other than just to we hope you had fun. We hope you got scared. That's that's really sort of the the substance right. of it. Um, but we do give it a five point seven five out of <laughs> ten. <laughs> okay, uh, now we're in quarter points. <laughs> oh yes, indeed, indeed. Oh, when gosh. they land that, when they land that firmly, then you just you just have to call it out. Um, so yeah, five point seven five out of ten on the fog meter but let's get to the most pertinent question nathan would you in general recommend creep show be honest um i don't know i mean uh which i know i I guess i'm supposed to pick one or the other uh probably not which sounds like i'm crapping on it i don't mean that per se i just like it wasn't like this rip roaring good time. I do like a lot of its conventionality or, you know, the conventions that it's working with. Um, but I, you know, and I don't know, I don't know. I, I like the anthology sort of setup. Yeah. I like the yeah. production style. I don't, I mean, I wouldn't, I'll, I'll just to be a little different. I'm going to say no. 
All right. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, my recommendation is going to have a little bit of an asterisk on it. I like to do that. Um, I think that if you are a fan of like the old school sort of Tales from the Crypt idea, if you're a fan of like the old EC comics or the sort of gruesome short horror tales, I think Creepshow is pretty essential. But I don't think the casual fan of, you know, horror films as a whole will find it terribly necessary um so yeah i mean i think as far as like if you're a fan of that sort of thing of the gnarlier more gruesome elements you know gorier kind of thing then uh yeah by all means you should seek out creep show but if that's not really your thing if you like more psychological or if you like um a little subtler or if you like a longer broader substantive arc then you you may not enjoy creep show as much um so that's my that's my little recommendation very, very diplomatic yes. sort of response there. it's pretty it's pretty diplomatic you know if you think you're gonna like it i would recommend it to you but uh if you're not sure that you'll like it i would well, recommend then, not watching it then i don't know about that so there's so there's that with it welcome to the very first food episode of the fear of god everyone <laughs> <laughs> on the menu today we are serving uh some birthday cake and some meteor and we are serving some what <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> you heard me. You remember when he, remember when he's sitting there, like he, he pokes the meteor, and then like ew, like it runs over his hands. And yeah, like, so, yeah. So does he uh, say that there? Yeah. yeah oh, that's a good loud. callback, Riri. Yeah, oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Okay, so next week we are going to be concluding this little mini run, not concluding the year long. Yeah, not concluding the year long run, but we're going to be concluding this little mini run with something pivoting away from the 80s uh, and pivoting back into the 2000s. So we are going to be covering next week the, um, I think, uh, not to tip everybody's hand, but I think a pretty stellar adaptation of a short story from Everything's Eventual by Stephen King. Um, seek out the film. I, I apologize. I do not have the director in front of me, but it's the film starring Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack called 1408. Seek out that film where you can, and we will see you right here next week for 1408, starring John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson. Nathan, thank you so much for enduring Creepshow and for having this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, my friend. We will see you all next week. Bye. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. You can continue this conversation in a variety of ways on Twitter at the fear of God on Instagram at fear of God podcast. You can like or follow us on Facebook or join the fear of God Facebook discussion group. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey and Nathan at the Nathan Rouse. Email us at fear of God podcast at gmail.com or visit morethanonelesson.com to comment on the official episode posts. And lastly, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.